Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 81 with Dave Nevote. Dave has an interesting perspective being the founder of a software company that does time tracking and observation of what's on people's computers. So he has some insights to share from that unique vantage point. So looking forward to that. And you're going to learn one, two questions to ask yourself before handing over your deliverables. Two, a quick trick to get a thousand LinkedIn connections in one hour. And three, an improved approach to initiating tasks that delights managers and stretches employees. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep81. Well, there, I'd also encourage you to check out the Gold Nugget email list for email summaries of all the guests and their respective insight, as well as the 10 Days to Winning at Work email course, which shares some of the best tactics from my training programs that really slash waste and increase your efficiency on the job. So Here's a quick bit about Dave. Dave Nevote is the co-founder of Hubstaff.com, which helps virtual teams communicate better through automatic time tracking and activity tracking. He's been running online businesses since he was 23 and now manages a team of 30 remote employees. Dave has been honored as one of Indianapolis's top 40 under 40 entrepreneurs and focuses on teaching others to manage remote teams. Here's Dave. Dave, thanks so much for being here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Great. My pleasure. So now you are a co-founder of the company Hubstaff. Can you share, first and foremost, what is Hubstaff and what's that all about? It's a time tracking application for mostly remote teams. Our customers are mainly agencies of some sort, web development, you know, marketing, digital marketing, that kind of thing. And they have, you know, team members all over the world and we're proponents of remote work. So that's basically it. That's cool. So it, it does time tracking so I can kind of see how many minutes I had Adobe Photoshop or whatever open. And, and what else does it do? It does that. It takes screenshots, tracks your time, tracks time to specific projects, integrates in with like Basecamp and Trello and Asana and those tools so that you can track time to those projects. A lot of those tools don't have time tracking natively. So we provide that. And basically, you know, our clients use really for everything from using that time to then pay their employees, to invoice their clients, to understand profitability, that kind of thing. Oh, that's nifty. And so I'm just sort of fascinated from like a psychological perspective. Like, how do people feel about like, are you being, you're watching me, you're like a nanny, you're spying on me, you don't trust me. Is there any kind of that backlash or how's the response been there? Um, It's hard to say, you know, yeah, there has been. It's not been a whole lot though. And I think that a lot of people use the app to basically produce job security or increase job security because, you know, if you have a person that does a great job, it's pretty obvious you're not going to lose them. And this helps prove how good of a job they're doing, how active they are, you know, the amount of work that's done. And also the other thing is like it helps communication speed up and kind of just flow better instead of being nagged by your people all the time, by your managers, that kind of thing. It's like managers can just log in and see what's going on mm-hmm. versus having to like ask and then you follow up and then that kind of is a waster, time waster and it's all about, you know, productivity and moving fast. 
But yeah, I mean, there definitely has been some of that, but I think that'll be gone in the next few years. I think it's going to be mainstream. Oh, interesting. So just because people are accustomed to it, they'll expect it. And you say there are also actually some perks from the employee or the individual contractor's perspective. Like they don't have to nag me or follow up or ask. They could just see, okay, looks like you're doing fine. I can just, you know, be hands off and work that way just fine. Yeah. we got a lot of these customers passing on their data to clients, their own clients. So since their agencies, they'll pass that data on to their own clients, give their clients a login so they can actually see what the work unfold. And so the clients don't bug them either. So really it helps the business owner as well, kind of just, you know, run their business more smoothly. Okay. Understood. Well, and so could you speak a little bit about, you've got a great view of folks sort of quantitatively their productivity and what's emerging on the screen and tracking, but how does that compare to sort of qualitatively, you know, what they're doing and how would you think about or contrast those two in terms of what can be tracked and what cannot be tracked? Yeah. When I'm judging an employee, I rarely judge them on what's happening in the screenshots. I don't look most of the time at all. Mm. So we use our own product, of course, but once you trust somebody, there's no need to look at anything. But it's nice to have the data there. When I'm looking at the screenshot, I'm looking more from a standpoint of, like I said before, kind of like what's happening. What does this design look like? If I expect to hear back on a design and you know, say five days from now, I can log in and see what the design looks like right now. I can see and correct that up front versus having to wait five days and have all that wasted time. So I use it more from that standpoint. We have a project management system as well. So we do like, you know, weekly sprints. And during that week, progress being made on those sprint tasks. And most of that's done, most of that progress is seen through, you know, communication and updates. So we have a daily update as well. And I get most of my data from that versus the screenshots and that kind of thing. Okay, understood. All right. And so any thoughts, reflections, insights from perusing that information? It's just a matter of, you know, I think priorities are important. I think that having a person assigned to a few priorities is very beneficial versus having them assigned to, you know, 35 Right. That's very hard to do for the person and for you because you never know setting the priorities is so important because it's like you always have something in your mind. What is the most important? That's why the sprint list works so well because it distills down what should be worked on and pushes those things forward. So if you put three or four items on that list, you know that not only can the person continue working because they're not being blocked by anything. You know what I'm saying? One task may be blocked, but they can continue on the other three. But also, it's like focus is there, communication's there. It's not a matter of starting one thing and like working 20 minutes on it and then switching to another one. It's just more focus. And that's, I think, really important. Oh, absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense is that that focus time means you have less time burned through sort of attention switching sorts of costs right. and there's, you know, crystal clarity on making it happen. Right. You know, I guess I'd also love to get your perspective. So if there's a lot of contractors working remotely, then I imagine in working with your customers, you've discovered a thing or two about what practices people do in order to be sort of effective, non-distracted, able to really kind of hunker down and put forth the time to produce some things, yeah. uh, which shows up on your software. What are some of those best practices? Asking questions early mm -hmm. before trying to get at things. What I prefer is when somebody will, you know, look at a task, like come up with a plan that could be, you know, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour or whatever. 
not a whole lot of time, but just a basic theory on what they're going to do. Present that for you to look at, for a manager to look at, and then basically implement, mm-hmm. you know, and the implementation takes a lot longer, obviously, than the strategy does. But um, just a matter of coming up with the plan versus just saying, hey, what needs to be done here? Because that just sucks for the manager. It does. You know, it just puts everything on them. It's nice to have somebody come in with a plan that shows a lot of initiative, a lot of foresight. It also helps build their experience, shows that they care about their experience and that they're growing as a person and, you know, professionally. But then, you know, we go implement the plan. So I think, you know, asking the question early, putting your plan together early, and then like when you hand something over at very close to 100%, that means that basically you've been through a test yourself. You just don't hand it over without having tested it. And you don't say things like, well, it should work now. I mean, you go through the whole process of testing, no matter what you're doing, whether it's marketing or development or whatever it is, test your work, make sure, you know, look for things like spelling errors, that kind of thing. And then you hand it over, right? Yes. So those things. Oh, that's excellent. And so are there kind of particular checklists that the manager has developed or even better, the contractor develops for themselves? Or how do you see that unfolding? What I just basically say is, is this up to your standards? Is this up to what you think my standards would be? So those two questions, and if the answer is yes, then you can hand it over. I've got a flow chart on it that I hand out to my people that basically, it's kind of funny because if the answer is no, it just redirects right back to them, test your work, you know? So, but it puts it in a visual standpoint. At least they understand, you know, test your work is very important. Okay, very good. Yeah, and it's funny how I'm looking at it right now and we'll certainly link to it. Is the creating contractor accountability flowchart? Yeah, actually it is. Yeah. In some ways, it's funny because it feels like it doesn't need to be said, but it often really does. Yeah, especially when you're dealing with younger, non experienced people that have not been. You know, if you have somebody with like 15 years' experience, you're not going to deal with that as much, probably. Mm-hmm. Well, now tell me are there any particular practices or ideal steps to take in terms of? hiring remote employees or contractors sort of are there key things to look for that you've seen or your clients have seen again and again and again these are really the things that make the difference between whether they can cut the mustard in terms of making that time available and executing versus they really can't yeah so i look for accountability i look for somebody that has a good personality i like people that will talk but not like overly verbose. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's funny. I mean, these are the things I actually look for. It's not a matter of, of course, your skills are very important. Your skills and experience are very important. But I think a lot of that can be learned. What can't be learned, what I've seen is harder to learn are personality traits. So I generally look for those first. I look for responsiveness. You know, I want somebody that's just, it's their habit to just be very responsive and to make things easy on you know, me or the manager. So everything from like, you know, like I said, handing over a plan before you kind of start working on something versus like, even when you're in the very beginning phases of hiring somebody, like if we put out a job application or a job listing, you know, we might get, I don't know, 250 applicants for the job. Mm -hmm. And those applicants range from everybody from like somebody who is going to ask like five questions up front and generally to those, I won't even respond, to be honest, because it's just I've got other applicants that are making things easy on me. I've got other applicants that are saying, hey, Dave, nice to meet you. What you're doing looks great. I really like this article. I like this article. Here's my resume to make it easy on you. Here's some examples of my writing. 
That's the kind of person I want. You see what I'm saying? Like they put the effort, you know that that's a personality trait, not the other way around. Oh, absolutely. So you see it right up front, even before the interview stage. Yeah, way before the interview stage, yeah. What are some other acid tests, whether they're things you're looking for in the application process or while you're conducting an interview that have proven to be effective indicators or predictors of what's to come? I run marketing for HubStaff. So one of the first things I'll do for all of my kind of brand new hires or potential hires, even before I commit to hiring them full on, I'll say, you know, hey, put together a marketing plan. And I won't give them much direction on that. I'll just say, put together a marketing plan. And I'll just see what they come back with. If they come back with a Google Doc that's like just bullets and a few notes and opinions, then that's somebody I know does not rely on data. Mm. Somebody that I know doesn't have good presentation skills versus somebody that comes back with a formatted Google Doc, table of contents, headers, then the outline, linking to studies, linking to examples. Again, that's the kind of person I want. Oh, that's fantastic. And so I'm a huge fan of when it comes to sort of show me what you can do, whether it's a case interview for strategy consultants being hired or a sell me this stapler for salespeople or let me look at your portfolio for an artist or writer. I love that. Show me what you can do instead of just tell me. I guess I'm wondering if they're still in the candidate stage and you have a pretty substantial request that's going to take some time, some hours. How do you navigate that? Are candidates sort of interested and hungry enough to kind of put up with that? Or do they say, heck no, I'm not going to spend seven hours making this gorgeous plan for free? <laughs> yeah, it's all paid. I should say this, I guess. Um, what we do at Hubstaff is we have basically trial hires. So I'll let it be known that, hey, you're on a trial. This trial's paid. It'll last for, say, 30 days. I understand that if you're at a current job, you're not going to be able to put in 40 hours a week. I'm asking you to do that. But at the very least, what that'll do is allow us to work together, both of us make a decision, because I also don't want somebody to quit their job and then not to work out at Hubstaff. And now they're in a rut. Right. So if somebody has a job right now, I definitely want them to stop their current job until I can be sure that I like working with them and they can be sure that they were like, like working with me. So that's what that gives us the opportunity to do. And usually in that phase, so I'll get those, say, 250 resumes or applicants. I might narrow it down to three or four. And at that phase, that's when I'll start to get the marketing plans. So that'll only be for like three or four people. It won't be for all because I wouldn't have the time to read it all anyway. Oh, right. So yeah, that makes sense. And then that trial is paid. And that's usually the first thing I have them do in that trial. Okay, oh, that's cool. And so then of them, you're planning to hire one? Yeah, one or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on the scenario. I mean, I usually, yeah, one or two. These are people that I like their personalities and sometimes their strengths will show themselves. Like if I'm looking for, again, like a growth job, I may have a content marketing job open too. And I may find that somebody that's with me right now that I like the personality, but one person may fit really well with the growth job. The other person, maybe not so much, but I can roll them into the content marketing job. Okay. Because again, the skills I think are pretty, you know, learned, whereas a lot of the personality stuff is not. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Well, so speaking of content marketing, one piece of content I could not resist from your website is getting 1,000 LinkedIn connections in 60 minutes. Import your Google contacts. So, I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. You import Google contacts into LinkedIn and everyone starts accepting your invites. Most people don't know that you can actually take your current contact list and import them. So I'll take like all my Facebook friends, I'll take and export those, import them into Google and sync that into LinkedIn. And now you have just a bunch of things coming through. I also 
use reportive. So anybody that emails me, I do a lot of email and a lot of people that email me, I generally connect with over LinkedIn because I see their profile right there on the right. That really helps me a lot actually. And is something that I would have a hard time doing without because it just shows me, especially like if we go back to these, like, let's just take all those applicants, for example, I can see their LinkedIn profile right there in front of me. So I look at their LinkedIn profile and I can see right away how they present themselves, how they handle themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like if they put a lot of effort into their LinkedIn profile, because really LinkedIn profile is kind of like a, you know, online resume. Right. So I look at that stuff and I look if it's formatted right and if they've put a lot of effort into it, that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, that's two things right there. Oh, that's so good. And so can you tell me, what is the sort of missing link that enables you to export your Facebook friends? Because a lot of times it seems like they have it pretty locked up. Is there a key app or what's the formula to get the export? I sync my contacts through my iPhone. Okay. So as long as you have your iPhone and able to basically take in contacts from Facebook, then it'll sync those into your Google contacts. I mean, I don't know. My setup is Google, Gmail, mm-hmm. I use Gmail. And then I'll use the Facebook app and basically approve the connection or download or whatever for syncing contacts. And then at that point, it's easy to get into LinkedIn. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, so you tell me, is there anything else you really want to make sure that we cover off before shifting gears into some of your favorite things? Uh, no, that's good. All right. Super. Well, could you start us off by sharing a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Yeah. How's it go? It goes, to the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. Oh, beautiful. And how about a favorite book? Favorite book, 80-20 Principle. Okay. And a favorite tool? Favorite tool, Wrench. A wrench. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Most people go with software. Yeah. My favorite software tool will be uh, either Pickle Tracker or Trello. Pickle Tracker? Pivotal Tracker. Oh, what's that do? It's great. It's like both of those are Kanban boards and it helps you basically it's project management, but it's for software developers specifically. Okay. But they've done a good job of basically kind of locking down the flow of the way it's built. So it it works pretty well. It's a good way to force yourself into using weekly sprints. Okay. And how about a a favorite habit, a personal practice that's been helpful for your effectiveness? I like to make emails extremely short in responses. And I really do not ever pick up the phone unless it's somebody that I know, best friend, my parents, that kind of thing. But other than that, if a number calls me that doesn't show up as somebody on my contact list that I care about, I will never answer the phone. Okay. And how about a favorite nugget, something that you share either in your content marketing efforts or when you're offering expertise elsewhere, something that you communicate that really seems to connect and resonate for folks? I think that everyone should try to be an expert in something. So you're writing your publishing of content I think it's going to be a thing in the future. When I look for people to hire or just, you know, contractors to use, one of the first things I look for is like they're going to have information of their own out there, regardless of what they're using that for. But I think it's a great way to just get hired. It's a great way to kind of have a diary of yourself and just make it public and make your beliefs known and take a stand, you know, and stand for something, show what you know. Okay. And what would you say is the best way to find you if folks want to learn more about what you're up to or Hubstaff? Where would you send them? Dave at Hubstaff.com. Email. Okay. Dean Vote is my Twitter handle. Okay. Uh, so either one of those methods. All right. And do you have a favorite challenge or parting call to action for those seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? I would say try to add value. Try to be creative, add value. I think that when 
you're able to be creative is when the true value of what you have is going to show up. And that's when results moving up the ladder, people notice. I think that's when all that happens. It wasn't until I was able to really get creative and do what I wanted to do until I actually kind of got the results I was looking for professionally. Okay, gotcha. Well, Dave, thanks so much for sharing. This has been a ton of fun and I hope that Hub Staff continues to grow and flourish and kick butt. All right, thanks so much. Well, I hope you fire up your connected iPhones and contact to get your LinkedIn network pumped up. That's a pretty cool trick. I dig it. So again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep81. And if you haven't already, please punch the subscribe button so you don't miss folks like our next guest, Dr. Mark Allen, a professor at Pepperdine, is going to be talking about pros and cons and thoughts associated with the manager career path and what's the alternative. So I hope to catch you then. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.